Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment automated investment and savings app, your money will go to work They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Saturday, February 5th, and let's just get it out there. The job market's on fire. The labor market stomped on that Omicron variant. I know we were expecting it to be a strange number, maybe a weak number, but January, the economy added 467,000 new jobs. The unemployment rate, had just ticked up slightly to 4%. And you know what? There was kind of good news all over this report. Labor force participation, the number of people entering into the workforce at the highest level since March of 2020. The January number also had revisions to all of the previous year's reports, all of 2021. These benchmark revisions indicate that sometimes when you get very happy about a jobs report, it gets revised lower and other times it gets revised higher. For example, June and July, summer, we had downward revisions. We didn't have a million jobs each month. We had uh, 807,000 fewer than initially reported. But then last year, November, December, we had weaker than expected readings. Those were revised higher by a total of 709,000. Here's your bottom line, gang. There were more jobs created than we originally thought last year. Average monthly job creation, 555,000 in 2021. And guess what? The labor force is now about one and a half million higher than previously thought. That means we're not that far below our pre-pandemic level. Okay, hourly earnings up by 5.7% annually. Uh, you know, listen, this is this is a number I think that is going to change. We've got to try to get the numbers that are higher so we get people filling these empty jobs. But I think you take this report with the job opening and labor turnover survey report earlier in the week. And you know what you get? You get a strong labor market. And that means that we have wage growth. We have the number of people resigning voluntarily or quitting. That's at an elevated level. And job openings are at an elevated level. I don't think there's any way to think about this other than this is a very good labor market. 
Now, of course, the Fed is going to have to concentrate on raising interest rates in order to meet the very real fear that we are seeing inflation take hold in the economy. So they're going to do that. So enjoy it. One Labor Department report down for 2022, 11 more to go. This weekend, uh, we have a great two-part interview with my friend, Jeff Bacalar. So I love Jeff. I met him when he was at CNET and he was hosting a podcast called The 404 and that's where I became Aunt Jill. So Jeff and his colleagues would ask me financial questions and then they said, come on the show with us. And I started to do a lot of stuff with him. Jeff has left CNET and he has now gone full bore into gaming, which is really his love. And so he works for a company called Giant Bomb. He is head of content development and strategy, and he's just, he's a big shot now. But anyway, Jeff is great. Why are we bringing him on this weekend? Because I know nothing about gaming and I most certainly know nothing about the metaverse. And so that's why I thought Jeff would be great and instructional, help us understand what we need to know. I will speak for the old farts out there. I don't get this, so I really, but I don't want to be one of those old farts who's like, that's stupid, instead of really copping to the fact that I don't get it. So that's why we're going to let Jeff educate us. Okay, gang? Here is the first part of our interview with Jeff Bacalar. Jeff you are in the part of the world right now that we just, we need to pick your brain. So first of all, there've been some huge deals that have gone on that really put gaming in the spotlight. Is gaming where the excitement is around the next iteration of our technological advances? I think it's a big part of it. It's it's a it's a it has a majority share of that momentum, uh, and it has for a while. I just think um, a lot of lines are are starting to blur, and when most people uh, take a look at this and they try and you know understand it in a way that they are familiar, it always sort of defaults back to video games being the driving force for all this. So when you see these you know massive acquisitions like you know, Microsoft taking up uh, Activision Blizzard. It is obviously driven by games and gaming first and foremost. What the sort of like aftershocks of that kind of deal look like, uh, you know, we'll have to sort of wait and see. We have a lot of predictions about what, the, what that's going to look like. But yes, I think games has been uh, and has been for many decades uh, the the first and foremost form of uh, preferred entertainment for uh, a, a huge demographic. And I think it's starting to catch up in a way that if you are somehow have your finger on the pulse of uh, contemporary entertainment, it is impossible to have that conversation without gaming being the first thing you bring up. It eclipses pretty much every other entertainment medium. Yeah. And I want you to just um, speak to that a little bit in that um, some of the numbers are kind of daunting. How much money does this industry really make? I mean, this I feel like gaming, people don't understand it, like old farts like me don't understand until I heard this stat, which is like gaming is making so much money as an industry that it's it like blows away so many other forms of entertainment, like movies, for example. So how lucrative is it? It's crazy. Think about what Disney spent on Marvel, right? Yep. For that deal. I think it was like $4 billion. Yep. Just, that, just for Marvel. And- you know, this deal comes around last week and it's 
it is just so many, so many times that it's, it's, and that's just for one publisher. I mean, it really is this wild, uh, wildly huge and international phenomenon, right? It is not just, you know, completely uh, exclusive to, to the United States. Gaming is everywhere. It is a universal language and it is, you know, it is the thing that commands the attention of the majority of people aged, you know, six to 50. That is, that is who is attracted to this sort of thing. And beyond that, I think I remember when PlayStation four was first coming out, Sony used to uh, love this talking point that their average customer was 40 years old. And that was in 2012 around then when uh, when PlayStation 4 came out. I think it was a little, yeah, 2014 maybe. It, it covers everything. It transcends all demographics. It is this universal thing without a doubt. So just for if you guys weren't keeping track of this, um, Microsoft paid almost $69 billion for Activision Blizzard. That's it. <laughs> just, you know, a little 69 bill, no problem. Yeah. Rounding error, no yeah. biggie. In 2009, Disney bought Marvel for $4 billion. And you think Marvel, you're like, oh my God, they bought all that X-Men and Spider-Man and all that. And then this comes along and uh, it just dwarfs it. It's unbelievable. And then, um, and that came right after Take-Two Interactive paid almost $13 billion to buy Zynga. Right. Which Um, is a very shocking amount of money. uh, And, you know, of course held the very, uh, very temporary title of being the largest acquisition in games. And then <laughs> for five minutes, for five minutes. So let me ask you this. It's one thing to say, oh, I'm playing a game on my phone, which, you know, obviously I get that. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, how it has evolved from playing on a console to playing on your phone to now playing in this alternate universe known as the metaverse? What is this all about? Well, well, let's tap the brakes with the metaverse for a second or just that word okay. just for a second, because there's a lot to answer with the with the first part of the question. So games obviously has evolved out of the arcades into the home console world and now in the very online connected world. And the once consoles, you know, had Ethernet ports on them and Wi-Fi radios in them, uh, you know, that was sort of the cat getting out of the bag there a little bit. We've now, you know, gone from playing with your friends online all over the world, speaking with them, and now we're in a, in a place where we are streaming games. And there are uh, personalities that cultivate a following and an audience on platforms like Twitch uh, where they have an interactive community that watches them play video games live, which mm-hmm. is a huge, huge, in my opinion, still underappreciated slash valued part of the uh, of the landscape as it exists right now. Mm-hmm. So that is the 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 sort of trajectory that the connected world of online gaming has taken. Now. I balked a little bit when you when you brought up the the sort of metaverse thing because the metaverse or the idea of the metaverse just to be clear the metaverse is not like a tangible thing or even an idea that anyone can coherently and completely slash thoroughly explain mm-hmm. it is more just a concept than an actual thing I, gaming is just a, a a really small slice of that bigger pie of what people mean when they say the word metaverse. Metaverse is a very difficult thing for people to wrap their heads around because it is not really a thing in itself. It is mm. it is a catch-all phrase that is used to describe a hyper-connected virtual reality 
augmented reality, mixed reality sort of world that doesn't really cohesively exist anywhere. I think it's a I think it's a really shiny sort of object for, you know, VCs to put on their PowerPoint presentations and and kind of say like, yeah, I've got a I've got a metaverse strategy, like this is this is where all the money's going. And in a lot of ways that's kind of its purpose at the moment is to kind of raise capital and get people excited about a thing that no one, you know, universally understands. Mhm. At its core, when you talk about metaverse, it is basically the convergence of all of these connected little uh, singular items coexisting on a universal platform. So when I say that, I know that's such a vague and ridiculous explanation, uh, <laughs> but what, but that is really what people are talking about. It is it is basically finding the common ground with people's online presence, whether that is your presence in video games, in shopping, in all of your online social interactivities, right? All your social platforms. Is there a way to make all of these moving parts fall in sync together and be basically like the virtual reality version of yourself? And that's kind of what people are reaching towards when they discuss something like the metaverse. Mark, did you understand that? No, I'm trying to stop my head from spinning. I know, me too. Don't let it spin too hard because to be completely honest with with you guys, it is a lot of it is is sort of fluff. Facebook changes their name to Meta, right? And yeah. all of a sudden, it changes the way the world looks at these types of, you know, virtual spaces. So, there, like I said, there really is no bulletproof definition for what the quote unquote metaverse is, but it is a convergence of dozens of ideas. If I am thinking about this and when someone says, oh, it's the metaverse, like you put your headset <laughs> in and like you're not immersed in a game, but you're immersed in a in a workplace. I don't really get that. Like, I really don't because I'm I'm trying to figure out when someone says this is where, how we're going to have meetings. This is virtual meetings. How does that differ than being like on a Zoom? Like what's happening that's different? I have an avatar that says, here's Jill in her, you know, in her radio wear, not in her TV wear and is in, is in the scene, but like I'm choosing what I want to look like. I have this thing, I'm in a meeting and what am I doing? Am I wearing a, a, a headset, a, a, some sort of VR headset of some sort? Like what's happening for me? I think the easiest way to understand it uh, from the point of view that you just described is right now we we touch the quote unquote metaverse in a dozen different ways. The problem is that it's all fragmented. You have Twitter, you have a Zoom presence, you have Discord, you have YouTube, you have all these different sort of platforms. The metaverse kind of is this utopian convergence of all of these things where there is somehow a magical way that all of these things stop being so uh, off-platform and fragmented and somehow coexist in harmony. That is really like the, the, the sort of idea that some people float when it comes to, to talk about uh, the metaverse. So it's not really a thing that will one day just come out. It's mm-hmm. not like a product. It's not something that is being worked on and will one day just launch. It is the idea that Every platform will have its own sort of integrated universe that is not 
where you have to log into a thing or sit down and turn an application on and run a program, right? It it is the blurring of the of a line for a lot of your interactivity with stuff and making things feel less engaged and more natural. Because right now everything is very fragmented. Mm. You you have to log in and out of things. You have to keep track of a thousand different passwords. You have, you know. Uh, I do think like 50 years from now, we will look back. Well, we won't, but there will be people who look back and they say, oh my God, the internet was such a mess. Like, mm-hmm. how did they do it? How did mm-hmm. they deal with all that stuff? And I think what when you hear terms like metaverse, you hear terms like web three, it is this almost intangible future that we are trying to grasp for where like everything just works. And right now, spoiler, not a lot of stuff just works. It's mm. sort of there and it's great if it were, but not everything works maybe the way we wished it would. Well, thank you so much to Jeff. We'll have our second part of our interview tomorrow. And uh, we want to remind you that if you've got a question, maybe it's about the metaverse. I doubt it. Let's be honest. But if it's about your financial life or how it's going to be managed in the metaverse, then you can give us a holler. Just go to jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button, which is in a beautiful blue box. And you can get to us. And on the form, when you fill that out, you'll see there's a little box at the bottom. It says, would you come and appear on the program? Just check yes if you would like to. Mark does the rest. While you're there, please sign up for our free weekly newsletter. And if you don't subscribe to our sister broadcast, Ion Money, you can also do that on our website. Very easy to do. Okay. As always, just do something nice for someone else today. It's going to make that person feel a lot better. You're going to feel a lot better. And remember that we like to practice a mantra here. Here it is, grit, growth, and grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.